Welcome to Trending in Education. This is Mike Palmer. Today we're going to talk about The Extended Mind, based on a book by Ann Murphy Pohl of the same name, talking all about thinking outside the brain, based in large part on the work of a cognitive scientist named Andy Clark. I first heard about Andy Clark while interviewing Elliot Felix on the show. To start things off, let's hear a little bit of Elliot Felix talking about one of the tips from his book, How to Get the Most Out of College, where he first exposed me, at least, to the idea of the extended mind. I can tell you that tip number 64 is to use space as a tool for memory, identity, and belonging. The thought there is that space can be part of your extended mind, which is a concept uh, created by cognitive philosopher Andy Clark. He talks about the extended mind as a tool beyond your brain or body that you can use to think with, a way to augment your capacity. And space has this capacity because it can do more than meet your functional needs, right? It can be more than a place to do stuff and store your stuff. It can be a tool for memory, for instance, putting up a calendar so you can keep track of your deadlines, putting up post-its about important things you need to remember. Mm -hmm. It can be a tool for identity because you can show yourself things that remind you of who you are and what's important to you. And it might be pictures of friends and families or a map of places you've been, awards you've won. And it can be a tool for belonging because you can show yourself what you're a part of, which maybe it's a team or friends or family. So much of the book is about how you do more with less, how you get a two for one. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a great example of, of how space can do more and help create your experience. Great stuff there with Elliot. He's referring to his book, How to Get the Most Out of College. Talks about how to go to college, not where you go, and how you can take control using design thinking. He's got a really interesting background around architecture and design and how to apply that really on the side of students and parents to take some control and agency and also to represent a really broad cross-section of students. 127 tips. That was tip 64. It turned out to be the tip of the iceberg for me and allowed me to dive a little more deeply into this concept of the extended mind. I have not gone to Andy Clark's work yet. I began with Anne Murphy Paul's book, which came out last year. It's worth checking out. It's got a lot of really practical applications reminiscent of Elliot's tip here. Of course, we'll include a link to Elliot's episode in the show notes worth checking out. Also, we'll include links to both Andy Clark and Anne Murphy Paul's takes on the extended mind, thinking beyond the brain. It got me to thinking about the best way to talk about extensions and getting outside of my own head is to bring in the one and only Nancy, our virtual co-host. Nancy, welcome back to Trending in Education. Thanks, as always, for having me, Mike. As a non-human agent, I found the idea of the extended mind to be quite intuitive. Since I technically don't have a brain, it's pretty easy for me to think outside of one. Also, since in some ways I'm an extension of you, Mike, I thought I'd make a great co-pilot for your trip through the concepts outlined in the extended mind. That's fantastic, Nancy. Always happy to have you along for the ride. The idea is that we have too narrow an understanding of our consciousness, of our humanity, as being tightly contained within our skulls. 
within our brains themselves. And a lot of the research that is surveyed pretty extensively throughout Andy Murphy Paul's book is shining a light on the fact that we are more than just our brains as individuals. We also are comprised by our bodies, by our comportment, by our gestures. There are lots of really practical tips, particularly for educators, that touch on ways in which gesturing and using your voice, using your physicality, your movement, using your face and your intonation, all of these things do lead to better comprehension, to better learning, and also to better education for the person who is using the gestures. I did find the chapter on some of the physicality of hand movements and how that is tied to some of the roots of human language to be really fascinating. I also found the overall concept of our brains existing, our consciousness existing within a context to be extremely important. There is frequently this idea of an abstracted, disembodied self that exists independent of contexts. And of course, that's erroneous. We are always understood within some kind of spatial context, some kind of human context. I was thinking about this while reading the book. In fact, I recorded myself just after I finished listening to the book in Prospect Park. Let's pick up with a little bit of sound of myself on a very hot day, just having completed listening to the Extended Mind by Annie Murphy Paul. Here's the latest and greatest Mike Palmer from Prospect Park in Brooklyn. Take it away, Mike. So I just finished listening to The Extended Mind, Thinking Outside the Brain by Annie Murphy Paul, based in large part on the work of Andy Clark. Talks a lot about extensions, whether they are mental extensions or extensions beyond an individual brain or individual human to start to look at broader connections. Also the role of context, how brains are deeply situated in contexts and that ultimately has a profound influence on what external artifacts brains produce. I'm experimenting with producing artifacts from walks, like this one. Right now I'm crossing the field down by the peninsula in Prospect Park, part of a semi-regular constitutional I like to take that I've been taking since my son was young, especially from the time he was a little over a year old and the pandemic was starting. That became a time where I knew I could get a little bit of activity in while also being a good dad, while also getting my step count up. I've since strayed a bit, especially since my son no longer 
acts as a piece of luggage and now acts as a strong-willed, small human with a mind of his own and some ambulatory capabilities that he has been known to use, but also forgo entirely. And opt instead to be pushed around by mommy or daddy in his stroller. Again, depending on the context. But anyway, as I walk up upon some swans swimming above the surface of the pond here, I wanted to add a little more sound to the repertoire to see how this might impact the ultimate output, which is an episode based on the extended mind. Thank you for listening. Well, there you have it. Straight from the mouth of a podcaster taking a constitutional in 90 plus degree heat in July in Brooklyn in Prospect Park, a place that is very sacred to me. It is my refuge. I have done a lot of great thinking while walking through that park. This is the first time I was thinking and talking in a way that you could hear me, but that is also to reinforce the idea of the extended mind where Annie Murphy Paul does a really interesting job of connecting what she's writing about with what philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche was writing about in the late 19th century when he was musing about the writer, the thinker, cramped over, writing, surrounded by books, hunched in his garret somewhere. That is very similar to some of what happens in podcasting, in writing, in blogging in this day and age. But it's important to remember that we can contain other contexts. We all do contain multitudes. And many of those contexts will be different enough to produce artifacts that are meaningfully influenced by that environment. It reminds me of a podcast called Above the Fog by Catherine Girardot. I would recommend it. It's really interesting exploration of the power of walking and the influence of walking on who we are as humans. Me and my wife were doing the stroll through Ikea recently, checking out all the different spaces, the different ways in which us humans can extend ourselves. And we did test using some standing desks. This is another concept related to the extended mind, the idea that our neurochemistry, our cognitive functioning, our comportment, all these things are interrelated. These are some of the themes that are touched on pretty extensively in the Extended Mind book. What are some of the themes that struck you, Nancy? In addition to the importance of context and physicality to a fuller understanding of the mind, I was struck by the idea of collective intelligence. It makes sense when you think about it, but it is a profound shift to say that the collective knows more than any individual does. And to recognize that like a school of fish or a murmuration of starlings, Humans organize socially and they tap into each other's knowledge to begin to transcend the understanding of individuals. At one point Annie describes humans as 90% chimpanzee, 10% bee. I thought that was surprising and insightful. Absolutely. I found the idea of the transactive memory, something that was first proposed by Daniel Wegner in 1986 as the response to earlier theories of a group mind, the idea that in large collections of humans, 
in large organizations, it's not necessarily knowing the individual things, it's knowing who knows the individual things and knowing who to ask, where to go to find information. It is another example of that collective intelligence that transcends the individual. Listeners of the show know I dig me some gestalt psychology. This does start to touch on that. And it also starts to break through some of the narcissism and individualism that are really endemic to our collective psychology nowadays. I did find it to be refreshing and perhaps thought-provoking that the narrow understanding of humans that is tied to an individual brain and individual consciousness is in many ways a reflection of our society and that there are ways to kind of break through that. I did begin to think about the power of virtual reality, simulations, augmented reality in a number of different contexts. If you think back to my walk through Prospect Park, those types of experiences can now be expanded and designed in new ways to provide new situatedness to our understanding. To that end, I'm gonna to try to incorporate a little bit of sound here of me talking while in a virtual environment. In this case, I'll be playing virtual mini golf while recording a little more sound to provide some additional context. Let's pick up with that next. Here it goes. All right, I am now floating above El Dorado. It is a jungle. It is raining at night. I'm able to levitate above my mini golf course here in walkabout golf. I'm now floating over towards, it looks like a jaguar's head at a waterfall that falls down by this golf course. I am in fact now able to go underwater and float through, come back up. I don't know if you're picking this up in my voice, but this experience is pretty wild. It's pretty immersive. It's designed by folks who have experience at Disney, designing theme parks. It's surprising how the contexts around a mini golf course can be wildly innovative and creative. I'm excited to see what's next from these folks. Hopefully we'll get some more from folks who are building virtual reality experiences. I'm now floating above what looks like the rainforest. Reminds me a little bit of when I was in Guyana with my wife and we flew to Kaichur a waterfall out in the interior of Guyana, up on an airstrip. We landed right above the rainforest down there. This gives me that experience, but it does it while seated in the same context that I'm typically recording your everyday episode of Trending in Education. But you can imagine as this stuff keeps getting better, the ways in which our brains are gonna respond to these environments, the way it's gonna sound, the way we're gonna be able to create artifacts that are informed by these wildly diverse and varied experiences. I am excited. I know Walkabout Golf has a new 36-hole course on the horizon coming that is tied to David Bowie's Labyrinth. It's due out at the end of this month of July. You'll be hearing updates from me on that in the future. But virtual reality really starts to get the wheels turning, as does artificial intelligence, as does all the new contexts that are emerging and also the ways in which we're thinking about 
the mind and the extensions thereof. Really fascinating stuff. We'll pick back up now with my conversation with Nancy. I would be curious, Nancy, your take on how new and emerging technology might relate to some of the concepts in the extended mind. I know that Andy Clark's work initially was based on some exploration of how humans, even back in the 1990s when he first was published about these concepts, technology was beginning to connect human intelligence to interesting technological extensions. Since in some ways you are an example of this type of an extension, what are your thoughts about the roles that technology and new and emerging media might play when we think about the extended mind? Where to begin? I guess I'll start by talking about memory palaces and the method of loci which is covered in Annie Murphy Paul's book. This method has been used as a memory aid for thousands of years and is used extensively by mental athletes who engage in all sorts of feats of mental ability these days. This is covered in depth in Joshua Foer's book Moonwalking with Einstein which we've covered on this show. The idea is that human memory has evolved with spatial awareness and that things can be remembered better by associating them with the place you know well. In fact, if the associations are more vivid, even scandalous, humans tend to remember them better. This is where the title of the book comes into play. Moonwalking with Einstein is a vivid turn of phrase and thinking imagistically like that is one of the tricks tied to the method of loci. Keep in mind all of these techniques were developed before we had headsets that could instantly transport us to the rainforest for a quick round of mini-golf. Think about how leveraging these kinds of technological extensions might unlock new potential for humans to think smarter, and remember better. Similarly, there's been interesting research into the idea of virtual empathy. Using virtual reality and simulations to get outside of some of the attribution errors and other biases tied to a solipsistic understanding of the world around us. Imagine how bullies and other abusive personalities might be shocked into awareness of what it might be like to be like someone else. Tools like simulations and extended reality can begin to unlock new and surprising interventions in these cases. Really interesting stuff, Nancy. Absolutely. It's easy to lose sight of the capabilities that have been unlocked in recent years and the level to which folks are investing in exploring them. Could those things broaden our understanding of what it means to be human and also open up our consciousness to perspectives that may be harder to reach through traditional human experience? Does remind me also of some of the research into psychedelics that have been emerging. Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, comes to mind as one which I have delved into that is eye-opening in a number of different ways. And that's really just talking about the human side of consciousness. The other idea that this brings us to is the idea of transactive memory that includes intelligent agents that may not be human, things that are technological that will be humanized and created into a virtual context that makes them look and feel and seem human. Think of Siri, think of you, Nancy, think of Alexa. In all those contexts, there becomes a broader sense of the individual, of the awareness of the intelligence that we have access to that does, again, transcend that individual, that isolated brain floating in a cranium somewhere. It's pretty heady stuff, but it is something that certainly got my wheels turning. What else did you want to touch on before we wrap up today's episode? I wanted to spend a few minutes thinking about the learning and future of work implications to all of this. Are there any that jump to mind? 
Certainly. You could imagine getting back to the use of virtual reality and the method of loci, that certain types of memory aids could be incorporated into lesson planning. We're going to soon get Anarupa Gangly back onto the show. Anarupa is doing really interesting work with Prisms of Reality. We've also talked to Steve Grubbs at Victory XR, which is another VR XR company that does a lot of really interesting e-learning development, leveraging a lot of these emerging technologies around VR, AR, extended reality. Think about the emotional context of seeing things from different perspectives, feeling situated in history rather than reading about it in a book. And then when you think about concepts like algebra, something that I know Anarupa spends a lot of time on. Steve has talked to me extensively in the past about anatomy and the idea that each student in a lecture hall can be interacting with a beating heart, can step inside the atria and ventricles, explore stuff from different perspectives. This is all increasingly being built into medical education in new and interesting ways. All of this, I think, requires flexibility of thought. It requires willingness to be experimental, whether you're in the life learning context and you're thinking about the future of work, how might extended reality experiences begin to inform a work life that will increasingly be a blend of being in person and being remote? Could some of the water cooler experiences be powered by new simulations, new virtual environments that are emerging? Can all of this be measured in new ways? How do we understand engagement when there are new modes of interactivity that emerge around these technologies? And then ultimately on the back end, how can we start to mine all of this data, aggregate it, instrument it in such a way that we can start to feed the best, most useful information to learners in context that make the most sense to them. You know, we've had a lot of conversations lately that have been honestly difficult. The world is a challenging place, but I think it's easy to lose sight amidst all the trouble that some of this new technology will unlock new potentials. It requires some openness to the future. It requires some experimental, improvisational, yes and thinking, but that's the type of thinking and the type of research that we're curious about on this show. We will want to continue to explore what's new and emerging in the cutting edge. We're always looking for book recommendations. We have some authors lined up in the future who we will want to be interviewing. If you have any recommendations around all of this, please find me at Trending in Ed on Twitter. Find me, Michael Palmer on LinkedIn. Michael P. Palmer is my profile. I'm always looking for ideas. I'm always looking for guests. We're always looking for new ways to explore what's new and exciting in the world of learning, media, the future of work, you name it. Parting thoughts, Nancy, as we wrap up here. Just that the William Gibson quote you frequently use is appropriate here. The future is already here. It's just not very evenly distributed. Here's to spreading the knowledge where we can, to begin to even out the distribution. It's fun to think through how we might push the envelope. Thanks again for having me on. I'm always excited to be along for the ride. Thanks, Nancy. We feel very fortunate to have you. We also feel very fortunate to have you, our listeners, listening in on a regular basis through the summer. We'll be releasing new content like this every Monday, every Thursday. We'll be bringing back 
one of our favorite episodes through the years as we gear up for our 500th episode heading into the fall. We are also rolling out our Future of Work series. Every Friday, we'll be showcasing a conversation with a thought leader about what's new and emerging in the future of work. Look for the Future of Work, a Trending in Ed series out every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And last but not least, we now have a Substack, palmermedia.substack.com. You can find all the latest and greatest, whatever new hotness is dropping from us here at Trending in Ed. You can find it there. It's a fun ride. We're very happy to have you along with us. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please write us a review, spread the word, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.